Thoth's Hermes podcast. Welcome to the world of the Western esoteric tradition. Friends and listeners, welcome to a new episode of the Thoth Hermes podcast. Today is October the 6th, 2019. My name is Rudolf and I am your host. You are finding yourself in episode 9 of our season 3 and it is a big pleasure for me that you have come to listen to this show. Those of you who are here for the first time, I give you a heartily greeting. And all the others who have returned, I'm grateful for your fidelity and your support. First of all, I want to apologize for the delay with this episode. It was already planned to be released a week earlier, but the main cable linking my computer to my microphone broke while I was recording my texts last week, so I had to order a new one and this took a couple of days. But I'm sure you're going to enjoy the show just as much this week. Our guest on this show is going to be English author, hermeticist and meditation specialist Martin Folks. But before we come to him, let me tell you where you can find the Thought Hermes podcast. You will be able to retrieve us on all major podcast outlets like Apple Podcasts, Speaker, Stritcher, Google, Android, Spotify, iHeartRadio and many others. For those of you who like to listen to podcasts via YouTube, you can also find all episodes in their audio version only in the Thoth Hermes channel on YouTube. But there is, of course, also our website, that is www.thoshermes.com, T-H-O-T-H-E-R-M-E-S.com. And that, if you go there, will give you the advantage that you not only can stream or download every single episode, but also find all the show notes with important and interesting links about the guests and subjects that we treat. And you can also send us some feedback. And I tell you, I would really appreciate that. So please use the opportunity to either send me a voicemail from the website directly or use the contact form there. And I'm also happy to receive your emails on info at thoughthermes.com or to read your comments and messages on Facebook or Twitter. But I also have another request for you. I want to keep this podcast as much as possible free of publicity. So I decided that starting with season four, there will be no more sponsor messages during our regular episodes. But there is, of course, also a cost related to producing a podcast. Hosting fee software, 
hardware replacements like the cable I had to buy these weeks, software updates, etc. Therefore, I would greatly appreciate if you would become a supporter of this show. If you have the possibility to do so, please become a patron. Go to the Patreon website and subscribe as a supporter. Possibilities there start as low as at $2 per episode. If you prefer to do a one-off donation rather than being a sponsor per episode, you can also do so via PayPal. For both donations and Patreon, you can find direct links on the front page of the Thoth Hermes website. I thank you in advance for considering this. Also, from a $5 support upwards, you will get special treats and possibilities as a little thank you. But now, let's hear a message from the Season 3 sponsor. Anathema Publishing Limited Quality Occult Books and Contemporary Esoterica Established in 2011, Anathema Publishing aims to provide superior literature in content and form by creating a triune relationship between publisher, author and reader. Anathema Publishing produces refined books for the true bibliophile on topics ranging from Gnosticism, traditional craft, alchemy, hermeticism, witchcraft, to Luciferian philosophy. www.anathemapublishing.com In our last regular episode, we already had a guest from Great Britain, the lovely Josephine McCarthy. And I may say through your feedback and the download figures that I see that you really seem to enjoy the show. But also in general, I must really thank you all. You're a great audience and our audience figures have increased dramatically over the last couple of months. This is great and a big encouragement. So, as I said, this week we will return to the United Kingdom and more specifically to England. My guest is Martin Folks. Martin is one of those rare guests on this show who I know personally, meaning that we have met several times in person. So it is a special pleasure to have him on the show today. Martin is also highly knowledgeable and active as a Freemason. I have introduced his booklet on Masonic memory training lately in an Ex Libris episode. But today we are going to talk about quite different matters. Our main subjects are going to be Hermetism and Meditation, where Martin is also a real specialist. But before that, before we're going to hear what he has to say about all of that, I am, as usually, going to play a piece of music for you. I thought it would be quite a good fit to play music which tries to give us an impression of ancient Egypt. Finally, I mean Hermetism and ancient Egypt has something to do with each other, doesn't it? Therefore, I've chosen three pieces of that kind for this episode. 
The first piece has been imagined and composed by Derek Fichter, and it presents to us the powerful high priest Imhotep, supposedly one of the first physicians and architects in history. So Derek wrote this piece in honor of this great Imhotep, whom the ancient Egyptians have given divine status after death. Enjoy! Music in the Style of Ancient Egypt by Derek Fichter. His piece was called Imhotep the Priest. And now we are going to listen to my interview with Martin Folks from Martial Arts, where Martin is also a very experienced and seasoned practitioner, to Hermetic Meditation 
From Franz Barden to general thoughts about consciousness and occultism, our talk is going to carry us along. Martin has practiced and studied meditation with unbroken daily discipline for over two decades, meaning he started really young. But he's also dedicated his life to gathering what is of use from different traditions around the world, Japanese mountains, the Egyptian desert, or the Indian yogis. So he will be able to give us deep and wide over you. It goes without saying that also for this episode, you will find all the show notes on the Thought Hermes website. And also, as usual, after about half an hour into the interview, which altogether will last an hour, we will take a little musical break. Here comes Martin Fox. Here comes the interview. It is a pleasure for me to have today as my guest on the Thought Hermes podcast, Martin Fox, who is talking to us from Cambridge here in the United Kingdom. Um, Martin, it has been for quite some time that we wanted to do this and have finally get you on the Thought Hermes podcast. And I'm very glad that today is the moment to do that. Welcome on Thought Hermes. Thank you very much, Rudolf. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, uh, Martin, you are somebody for those who are a lot around on the internet, who are interested in hermetism, who are also interested in masonry. You are certainly somebody uh, rather well known by those people. Now, our audience is a very mixed audience. Everybody is interested in some or the other part of the Western esoteric tradition, but maybe they are not all specialists in hermetism. So I, for them, I would like to tell them that you are a uh, a hermetic practitioner of very high level, that you're also a meditation specialist, also very much in the field. We, you and I, we have got to know each other because we were both uh, a Freemasons and working in the Barden tradition, because that was uh, one of our main interests. And you're also an author. So just to give a little image of what you are now, what maybe we should talk first about is how did you get there? How did you become all this that you are today? Who is Martin Fox? What's your background that made you the Martin Fox that you are today? First and foremost, I am a, a student of Franz Baden. So if I, if I can attribute the the blessings that have come from hermetic practice to any source, that would most certainly be the, the books that Franz Baden wrote. I, if I think back to my childhood, I believe I always knew that there was something more. Uh, when I used to watch martial art films or uh, superhero movies, that kind of thing, I used to find myself fascinated by the idea of this extra potential. And 
when I first started martial arts, which was at a very young age, I took the, the instructions very literally. So I can remember a friend of mine and I, we were reading a, a martial art manual that's, that talked about um, energy breathing exercises and how these exercises could lead to uh, having the strength of seven men. So we tried them by the letter and they went back to our martial arts instructor and complained they didn't work and asked him to show us how they could work. And uh, we, were, we were expecting feats of, of strength there. As, as time went on, I started to explore other works which are on the, the edge of martial art disciplines and were at the beginning of oriental spirituality and wisdom. And I became fascinated by the idea of the elements. It really felt like home. It felt so true. It felt as if there was a truth in these elements beyond anything I'd ever seen. And I really was sure that there, there must be a, a path that uses these as a key. So uh, by now we're in our my early teens and I'm reading all the Western texts mm -hmm. and I, I came across Franz Baden's initiation into hermetics. I was in Atlantis books. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was something special. It was a, a training manual which had the simplicity and directness that I felt was, was needed. But once again, that feeling of being home, returning to a way of doing things was there. Now, it took me um, six months to stabilise my practice. Mm -hmm. So many people listening to, to this uh, podcast, they will they'll understand how your, your higher will, your uh, genuine calling puts something in place and often there are other things within you that need to be harmonized and purified, integrated, which get in the way. Right. And it took me six months to, to stabilize things so that wasn't starting and stopping and looking at other things and thinking about other directions and these kind mm. of things. And once that was in place, then I managed to establish a practice which was immovable. And this strength of resolution and momentum has grown throughout my life. Soon I started to see how impressive this practice was. 
noticed on a energetic level or on, on a, a level that we would associate with uh, the term magic. I mean, on the most mundane level, whereby my attention, my ability to recall things, my ability to apply myself started to become amplified and evolved in a way that allowed me to to live more freely, authentically, and effectively. So I suppose um, I'd hope to be a good example of what someone of um, average talent would expect if they were to genuinely dedicate two hours of their life to the Franz Baden system from their mid-teens into their early 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think dedication and hard work have been the, uh, the two qualities which have assisted me, especially in the early years. Um, as things have gone on, I found I'm, I moved far more by inspiration than I I am by willpower nowadays. Does that have to do with age or with the experience that you made the last 20 years? Well, I, I believe that some of it is being unhindered by uh, diffused efforts, uh, confused perceptions and conflicted uh, goals. I think that without anything like that, we can genuinely engage with the practice in uh, a joyous way. So many people listening to this will have things they do for the joy of it when they're alone. So the, the people they live with, their partner or their family are away, they're at home, Well, for me, hermetic practice or study is what naturally occurs with a sense of full engagement in that time. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing to me which has such uh, a, 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 a contentment to it and such rewards for time spent. And I, I think what's worth considering is not that this is special. How interesting is that uh, many practitioners who would genuinely wish to be doing this in their spare time find themselves unable to do so. So we have uh, people who really love a path. They really love Buddhism. But in their spare time, they know there are texts that can lead to a, a higher state for them, a more clear perception, just sitting there ready to be read, but they'll watch television or do something else. We know there are practitioners who 
genuinely believe with every single part of themselves that they have manuals that would allow them to bring angels to to sight. But they'll spend their time playing online computer games, never touching these manuals. This is very mysterious, this circumstance, I think, and worth contemplation. Is that not something that is true, not just for the work of hermetism or any any spiritual practice, but it is a bit true for a lot of things in life. Even if you, well, you, I, you mentioned it, you were on a very high level. You are on a high level in the martial arts. I forgot to mention that in introducing you, but if we take it as sports, if we take something, if you want to become a really high level sportsman and you have all the talent for it, you also need to, to be disciplined, to do hard work. And many people would have the talent and don't do it on that field either. Isn't that something very human or is it something that you would see more developed in the problems around uh, uh, spiritual traditions? Yes, I think, first of all, it is a very human thing. Mm. Um, but we do see it more pronounced in uh, the these traditions and I believe there's some interesting reasons for that so first and foremost I think we could all think of things which we really want to do but we sabotage ourselves in in undertaking and we can all think of things that may be we could be more serious about if we really wanted to achieve the goals. However, within these traditions, there are other challenges that we, we meet. Often, there's a part of us that has come to this tradition because we know that something needs to be resolved in ourselves. We actually can sense that there's a healing aspect, a balancing, a purifying aspect. And it's the very part of us that needs to be harmonized or recovered, which is, is not ready for this and puts a barrier in place. Likewise, these areas are one of the few in the existence where one may uh, cultivate an air of authority without needing to demonstrate anything. Mm. So sometimes there are very strong social and um, psychological draws to, to this path. And that means that the enthusiasm which you would expect is pushed to other areas, areas that would perhaps um, gain position and excitement um, mm. from the person. Now, don't get me wrong, this too is um, just a, a slightly confused version of a genuine urge. But the person wants to be 
genuinely respected by others, but they're kind of shortcutting it. Uh, yeah, with with an air of uh, mystical authority or title. Um, likewise, in our society, I think there are doubts as well. So this isn't something that I've ever had uh, strong challenges from because of the, the the path that I described to you. Very early on, I started to see how effective this was. Mm-hmm. Some people are in circumstances whereby one of their conflicts is concern, is this investment in something genuinely worth it or real? Mm. So I think we have a lot more um, to overcome there. In addition to that, tuition. Uh, If I think you and I could probably find a martial arts teacher who without doubt has genuine authority they can actually uh, teach self-defense or fighting Uh, they've got very credible qualifications from a credible school and you can see they've got good character and they're they're focused as much as anyone is on the Mm. genuine mission of transmitting that knowledge Uh, i'm not sure it's as easy to find a hermetic teacher like that modernly yeah yeah, and and it will also, as you say, it will be much harder to pin down uh, for the student, for the young student, for the for the beginner. Um, as you say, for a sportsman or for a martial arts teacher, you can see and touch things, so to speak. For the hermetic student, the first the first weeks of experience, they don't show if you are on the right path or not, or do they? Immediately, I mean. Well, um, here is the uh, hermetic paradox. The hermetic teacher's wisdom and ability is completely visible for all to see, but yet the most invisible thing too. Yeah. All things are of one thing, as above, so below. So if you look at the, the life and the actions, the way of being, you should be able to see excellence shine forth. A hermetic practitioner of high level will not be thinking just from their position. They will be thinking from a higher position, not just from the position of their their own body in this Mm -hmm. world. They will be motivated by good intentions for all in all their words and actions and you should be able to see that the way they behave and the way they act reflects their development i remember a time where i watched a zen master hoover and i was sitting there just letting my mind drift uh, on a a retreat between uh, meditation sessions and between uh, uh, work. And I saw this undertaking and I could see that not only was this more detailed and more focused than I'd ever seen anyone do anything, 
but it had a sense of joyous service along with a sense of focused, vigorous discipline combined. And it was a, a moment of, of viewing what potential was there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I suppose in the hermetic tradition, we would talk about in terms of um, noose, in terms of higher yeah. awareness, uh, yes. partaking of that in all actions. So um, we, we should be able to see a, a higher level of effectiveness in everything mundane. Um, in in a potential uh, teacher or a student. And sometimes this isn't um, immediately obvious, but there's some part of you that knows that. But it needs some talent. And there I have to say, I don't agree with you. You said you are an averagely talented person in that when you described yourself. I don't think that is true. I think you have uh, a special talent for that. And... I can only compare this to a musician. When you are a young student of music and you have no idea of the instrument you're going to learn, you will also, just as you described, very easily find out because you have talent that your teacher or the teacher that you have been presented to is the right one for you because you feel it in the way he talks to you. And I believe it is the same for what we were just talking about any spiritual tradition, uh, and especially the one we are talking about here, because it's in it, but you have to, f- to have to have the talent to feel it. And if you don't have that talent, um, it will be much less obvious, much more difficult to find out if the teachings are right for you. Wouldn't you, would you agree on that? Yes, I think talent is a, a, a wonderful thing. Mm. Often great success in one area Uh, looks like the person is really talented when you and I get to view the end result. So in the path we're talking about, there is an exercise that exists not just in the Franz Baden tradition, uh, but into antiquity as part of the hermetic training. Mm. Um, Zosimus, for example, uh, describes Mm. uh, this in his, uh, his writings. Uh, an exercise where one is to clear their minds of all thoughts. Now, I know a story of a practitioner, a story I know to be true, mm-hmm. who found this exercise a very big challenge. But perhaps this practitioner would have so much ambition that they want to push forwards. And it's a, it's a funny thing when you sit allowing your mind to clear because any success could trigger a response whereby you think wonderful and then you're you've thought something you've gone yeah <laughs> or, uh, and then you think something else you think that was a thought um perhaps this practitioner was too full of ambition or very thoughtful as a character and found that after a considerable period training with this exercise, nothing was changing. Mm -hmm. And this uh, practitioner 
vowed to themselves that this exercise would be mastered. So they took away all barriers to it. They dedicated two sessions a day just to sit for half an hour, clearing the mind. They chose a place outside, away from any distractions of people, and booked it into their life without compromise. If, of course, they were travelling, they would find another place in nature, and they would carry the clothes they meditated in every day. Mm-hmm. This practitioner started to reduce everything down in their life. Nothing to cloud the mind. And got rid of the television. And stopped reading anything which was of no use. Decluttered the schedule. It gave separate time for the mind to, to de-junk. And whenever these thoughts came up that um, that would cause a distraction, we take time out to contemplate these thoughts themselves, to find what part of the mind was calling to be integrated or was agitated. This practitioner kept this process up all times of year, all forms of weather, for five years Hmm. in order to master this exercise. Now, if you and I were to sit with this practitioner, we would think that person was phenomenally talented. Can you imagine? They're they're immune to all weather in their meditation. The, The things that may move others don't touch them. Imagine how persistent they are with other exercises now. Um, If they were to practice advanced things, which involved going beyond oneself into different places or Mm. to distances beyond where they're sitting, six months of doing that twice a day would mean nothing to that, that practitioner because they have tempered themselves uh, like a steel in a flame so I think um, maybe we could say that the the seed of talent there was persistence rather than the, the talent in the, the ability. Mm-hmm. This um, form of dedicated training, uh, Rudolf, it would be interesting to hear your thoughts on this. Because I think in the modern day, it's hard for people to to find time to make such level of dedication. Yes, I I think that's one of, um, how should I put it? It's one of the main problems, real problems, certainly, of of 21st century's life. But at the same time, it is also and has become a very easy excuse as well. Because uh, it seems obvious to anyone to say it's become so much more difficult nowadays not to be distracted because you have email and Facebook and telephone and you partly need it because if you are in a business that demands that and you have to earn your living, etc. It's easy to build an excuse with that. At the same time, um, setting that apart, I personally believe it is partly true that as opposed to a hundred or even more than a hundred years ago, um, it has become more difficult to concentrate, to stay with one thing, to 
empty your mind, but at the same time, um, we have also maybe risen a bit in consciousness and it, which make, which helps us with that. So I think it, mm. it's to find the balance again. That would be my opinion on that. It's not, it's not a one way street. It's not all become more difficult. It's also, we have also more tools that could help us with that. Now on the, the subject of, um, we were talking about teachers and now we're mm. talking about, uh, how to, to find the opportunities to practice um, in the modern day. One thing I, I should mention um, is that in my training, it hasn't just been me. So there have been times when working through Franz Baden's uh, course of instruction, I have got to an exercise which has been a challenge for me. And in order to be able to overcome this and to make a progress, I have sought out someone in the world who is a specialist in that very exercise. So as an example, we could imagine that if you wanted to, to learn breathing exercises, you and I could probably find a a teacher of yoga who had dedicated their whole life to them. I have found that just being in the presence of such teachers has, has helped me. Um, it's as if just observing mm -hmm. how it, it's best done, somehow there's a, a, a part of my, my deep mind, my subconscious that just takes on a lot uh, maybe my higher self uh, touches upon the exact way this needs to be done. This has been a, a great blessing for me. And um, whenever possible, I have travelled to meet uh, those who are willing to, to share these skills. And this, this I think, is another thing which maybe nowadays we're not quite as willing to do as in in ancient times we we can read of uh, hermetic and neoplatonic teachers and the students that came to them while they too were going to find anyone who was better than they were and that's what i want to do i want to make sure that i spend as much time as possible with people who are better what I'm aiming mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. in life. But that's what I meant with tools, Martin, because mm -hmm. uh, we can complain about the time being more difficult to concentrate. But on the other hand, um, people who want to find someone to teach them have much more possibility, many more possibilities today to do so. The internet, just to mention that, I mean, the possibility that people now hear you speak about this and say, oh, I didn't know that. Um, they didn't have the opportunity to find out about such things 200 years ago, or it was very difficult, or maybe it cost them a lot of money, which a lot of people didn't have to do, uh, to, 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 to even the time to invest to do that. Um, and that's what I'm saying. It might have become more difficult on one hand, but on the other hand, we have been offered so many more tools and opportunities um, that those two things at least balance each other out, if not 
it has become better than a hundred years ago. I, I think you you're correct there. So in my own practice and my own life, I am um, fully utilize these tools, but make sure they don't control me. Yeah. So and that that's important. That's an yes. important part. Absolutely. Yeah. So utilizing, um, I, I have my own YouTube channel where um, you can see demonstrations of these practices. Mm. And you can also see videos on hermetic and um, other uh, related subjects. And this uh, I see as um, letting this... Um, this gift pass on. So I mentioned so many people have been tireless in aiding me. It's good to allow others to, to find out the things which are, are really beneficial, uh, give them more control over themselves and thus their life and to live with greater empowerment and harmony. The YouTube channel is for everyone, but I also run an online school for those who wish to work with the Barden system, which is, is select. It's really people who are very dedicated to do so. And both, of course, fully utilize this technology. Mm -hmm. Now, myself, I, like the practitioner in the story, don't have a television and I'm careful with the internet. So I have a routine every day where I will spend a set amount of time answering emails and a set uh, text messages and other text communications come into that. And then I'll spend a set amount of time answering Facebook. For me, no social media is live. So I have no alerts that come up on my phone. Mm -hmm. I don't even have these things on my phone. So everything is under my control because I'm aware that everything is programmed to make it engaging. So it's, it's lovely to be able to talk to people, but I, I want to be able to make sure that, um, I'm not being pulled away from full engagement with life uh, by by messages. It's nice for people to to like pictures, but I don't want to be doing things to get likes mm -hmm. on pictures. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> so um, I think even now Facebook has got a system whereby if you send someone a message and they see it, it says seen. So then, then you're you're sitting there thinking, well, why they're not responding? And they're sitting there thinking, yeah. oh, I better respond <laughs> because they've seen it. So there it's all are. set up yeah. to drive engagement, and yeah. it takes that's actually takes quite a bit of discipline not to get pulled into these things. And the same with YouTube. I I love YouTube because you and I can go on there and we could listen to someone reading the works of Plotinus or. Aristotle, we can learn about Rosicrucianism, and uh, this is this is wonderful. But 
I don't want that to become displacement activity during time which I've allotted to work or do something else. Mm-hmm. Now, um, likewise, with this very show, this is a show that I, I listen to. and But I put this in my spare time. For me, um, my... My entertainment and my inspiration should be exceptional and not right. mediocre. So it's kind of like the diet of the mind. And uh, this, this show most certainly comes into that, that bracket. Well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. It is now time for a little musical break. And again, we're going back to ancient Egypt or at least to music that wants to create in us the feeling of being there. This coming piece is called The Nile River, and it is part of an album by the name of Desert Sands by Brendan Fichter, who I believe is the brother of Derek, who wrote our first piece today. Enjoy!
Nile River from the album Desert Sands, leading our heart and emotion directly into the Nile Valley, seeing and feeling the ancient gods passing by, doesn't it? And now let's return to my talk with Martin Fox and continue to learn about his great knowledge and experience in the fields of meditation, occultism and the Western tradition. Immediately after the interview, there will be our third piece of music for today. And again, we are being brought back into ancient Egypt. The piece will be called Hathor named after one of ancient Egypt's most important goddesses. This piece is by both the Fichte brothers, Derek and Brandon, and shows us again a different style of that ancient type of music. But first, here comes Martin again. I have a question for you. Um, as I understand it, and as I know by my own experiences partly, to a much lesser extent than you, but still I think I'm not wrong, the Barton work and most of hermetic work is solitary work. It's not in an order, it's not in big groups, uh, it's at least, well, let's say it's not in an order with a degree system, etc. Um, it has its own system of levels, but it's independent, it's individual. So, do you feel that solitary work is fully embracing to what you should embrace? Let's put it that way, or is there something like an egregore, if you want to call it like that, or a group energy or something that you can only achieve within a group? Um, or is anything achievable also in solitary work? Well, um, for me, my natural tendency is to do things alone without the aid of any um, instruments or um equipment and without um, contact with others. So most of my path has been on my own in nature. And I found this to be where these, these hidden forces are most perceivable and accessible. Mm -hmm. So let's be absolutely clear. That is my calling to gain clear perception and control over these hidden forces of both internal and external nature. But remember how we talked about before how being around people of greater ability is very beneficial. And to some degree, just being on your own uh, can be a bit selfish. We, we don't want to just be a, 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 a blockage. We don't want to just empower ourselves and not let things flow through. If we look at the original hermeticists, they most certainly had a tradition and they most certainly gathered together. For me, I think that the best gathering would be one 
whereby instead of having one star at the top and grades below them, where it is a constellation with all stars. Mm-hmm. And I think I can see this a bit in some of the ancient texts where you had people from different traditions all together. So I think um, I think it would be really wonderful to see empowered traditions of genuine, dedicated, hermetic practice appear with more vigour and strength than they presently do. I think there are ritual traditions, uh, which have got um, reasonable memberships and facilities and uh, very genuine members. I'm not sure how many traditions which are more of the meditative path like we're talking about Mm -hmm. are currently um, so so prominent. I, I think the time is coming for those to return uh, to some degree. You see, when we raise our own consciousness, when we lift ourselves, it's it's not really just about us. We're part of the whole. And if there is a time for uh, enlightenment, it's now. Mm-hmm. So each time you and I, I sit and we we increase our awareness. We cultivate that kindness and thoughtfulness and skillfulness. And we empower ourselves. This has ripples. Yeah. And yes. I, I, I also think that um, this constellation model is useful because it's, prevents uh, a few things. Um, Here's a a few things that I've learned from teaching, and you learn a lot from teaching others. Yeah, certainly. There are, if you look around, there are many spiritual authorities that claim their position from other places. They have a, a great teacher, They have a special book. They are reincarnated masters or there's a high spirit talking to them. I've been lucky in the sense whereby there is none of that. I I don't have any title or, or grade. There is no exciting reason Uh, for someone to listen to me. Mm -hmm. And I hope to keep it there. That way I can remain genuine and um, make sure that if I have a fault, I'm eliminating it rather than covering it up. (laughs) If I make a mistake, I can learn from it. And that way... We can keep everything genuine. With without titles and without position, uh, there's uh, then your words need to have the inherent value that someone will listen to them because they are correct. <laughs> um, so I think this is a a better way. Let's keep everything 
honest, direct and true. And um, this, 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 I think it would be very mm. good. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Now, this is not to say that anyone doesn't have authority from any of the sources I mentioned. There are genuine, powerful traditions. There is higher inspiration. Uh, but um, I think you wouldn't need to mention any of these. Right. Right. Um, if you if you are if you're Michelangelo, it's interesting to know where you learnt, but no one needs to know. Exactly. Exactly. There we are back to what we were talking about initially. That has a little bit to do with the, the combination of talent and discipline. That's when you, at some point, your discipline has brought you together with the talent at a place that doesn't need any any mark on you anymore, any any evaluation on you anymore. It's it's there. Um, one one other thing I've learned um, on the subject of of talent um, is that the the position of teacher itself or a position of authority itself comes with its own challenges. So let's imagine um, you were very good at something and people came to learn that thing from you. You could get used to uh, that. You get used to that. And then if someone starts to show they're really good or if people start to within your students approach your your position that could make you insecure <laughs> so and even on a subtle level these i'm talking about levels where it's just a hint so you can end up in a strange position whereby you're doing funny things to maintain that position as a teacher, a guru, an expert, which are not empowering and uplifting those who have mm. come to you. This could be adding things which are not necessary. It could mean that you're not fully engaged with that student. It could mean that you're deliberately saying things to put yourself a step higher or doing things which are counterproductive. Or so I found things it, in a more complicated way than they actually are. It's a very u- usual one, that one. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, in a way that says yeah, yeah. blow things. So up. the mission yeah. gets confused. You're saying, "Good news, everyone! I know a lot, and I'm brilliant." Rather than saying, yeah. "Good news, everyone! This is how you can generally do this." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to clear all that out. What I found very early on is you must take a position whereby you genuinely wish for those who you are helping to surpass you. You need to sit and really contemplate this. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to use any mistakes you've made or any wisdom that you have received to make sure that they are able to uh, advance with as much ease as as they can. And thus, they should be able to surpass you. And then you can have the humility to say, please teach me. Yeah. Then there's nothing, there's nothing in there that can hide or disappear. Uh, 
you know, um, anything that um, is on the edge of your consciousness that just gets in the way. Uh, another one on the same subject would be wanting to be popular. So if you and I were to put together a a hermetic school or a book on hermeticism, which would sell very well, it would be a very different goal than one which is completely genuine and directed. So making sure you don't get divided goals and think, mm -hmm. I want lots of people and I want to be very popular and I want this to be financially viable. No, you've got to just keep it on. I want to genuinely get people where they the, the people who are wanting to walk this path to the, the yeah. right place. Yeah. Um, now, talking about books which are, are, are popular. Exactly. <laughs> um, we, you mentioned at the beginning that we were, um, you said about my writing. Right. The... The latest project I'm working on, which uh, I hope you don't mind me mentioning. Absolutely not. I would have asked you anyway. <laughs> oh, uh, is a, a manual of hermetic memory. Mm -hmm. So this is a, a manual of the mnemonic techniques which were taught by Giordano Bruno to a student in Scotland called Alexander Dixon. Now, this is a, a tradition uh, which is just coming back to life. Which is quite surprising because uh, suddenly this tradition that you're now just mentioning, you see it come up here and there in tiny little plants, but it's coming back. It says it had completely disappeared. It's almost as if we're remembering it. Right, exactly. So for anyone who's not aware of the hermetic art of memory, who's listening to this, if we were to talk to someone who, who practiced this, and maybe if we went to into the 16th century and had a conversation, we discover very quickly that for them, the hermetic view that all things are of mind, everything is made of consciousness, is a far more literal and far more fully integrated with their view. So an imprint in your mind is called a memory. An imprint in the mind beyond you would be a, a spell. A, a building inside your mind would be a memory palace. A, a building outside would be a, 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 a circle. Um, so these arts are very much one. So this is a manual of meditative practice in the hermetic tradition which aims to draw um, higher powers within yourself. How to take a virtue or an ability from a planet 
and to press this firmly within your being so it becomes part of you. And what's interesting about this is this is a genuine practitioner who has written this manual and he's far more open than Bruno. Mm -hmm. um, I've called the text the um, Hermetic Art of Memory, but it's actually two manuals put into one. Uh, the first manual is called The Shadow of Logic and Reason. And it, you can see that's kind of a reflection of uh, Bruno's The Shadow of Ideas. And the second, which is even more clear and direct, is uh, Thamus, which is the uh, mm -hmm. uh, about the, the whole idea of memory uh, being far more powerful before we invented writing and words. Uh, so the reason I wanted to mention this is because it's a limited edition and uh, uh, some people listening and uh, who connect with the kind of things we're talking about may want to, to, to have a look at that. Ab absolutely. Um, and I want to point out two things while we're talking about that. First, that your little book, A Mosaic Palace, uh, um, which was also talking about the Masonic tradition of of memory of uh, but which is very much linked to what you were just saying of course and um, we had that on our ex libri show which was presented there uh, two weeks ago but also um and this is now an announcement that i make i i will have you back probably in november or december on a roundtable discussion about uh, hermetic memory tradition and masonic memory tradition with two other people discussing with you on that subject uh, more on that uh, maybe in a couple of weeks because i'm about to prepare that but it's probably the moment now also to say that how wonderful so we can see not only is the tradition um being recalled uh, but the practitioners and those interested are starting to find themselves drawn together exactly there you are there you are well thank you for mentioning that I have one other difficult question for you. I don't know, it's maybe not difficult for you, but it seems to be difficult from the outside. Um, first, that's very easy. Do you say hermetism or hermeticism? Which term do you use or is it for you just equal? Is it the same? Hmm. Um, I think it's for me, it's uh, hermeticism. I think that's I what I would I say, say so too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so could you... Because I get that question quite a lot, and I also read it a lot. Um, could you define in two minutes what is hermeticism? What What's the definition of hermeticism that takes the road that you would like to take it? Hermeticism holds that all things are formed of consciousness. And that there is a route whereby the underlying original consciousness, which underpins all things, can be perceived and can be mastered by a practitioner. And thus, through this practice, the human consciousness can be evolved to a more empowered, enlightened state, a state 
beyond the estimation of most people. Right. Very, very nicely said. And in that, what you call human consciousness, is that the individual human consciousness only? Or is it also maybe in the sense that Jung also put it a bit, is it also a, a united, a holistic human consciousness? Um, it's, it's both. So the brain is just a receiver. Uh, your Your actual consciousness is part of this original thought, this original energy. And all things are, are united. Just as um, we, we may perceive them as being separate, we know they're not totally separate. We can see the knock-on effect. The, the apple tree needs birds to eat the apples and in order to move the, the pips around the place. Everything is very much more interlinked than it appears. So when you improve yourself, that does bring a change. And indeed, there were many original hermetic groups and historians have kind of defined them as the optimistic or pessimistic hermetic practitioners. The optimistic groups are most certainly the ones that resonate with me. And they had a belief that this, this method of training could, could really save the world. They actually believed that you and I are sent down here to, to make the place better. There's some imbalance down here. We're here on a special mission. Our hermetic training helps us with that mission. We are here to bring harmony and goodness to the world. And there is an idea that practitioners will join together. And that this empowerment through harmony and through good intentions is stronger than any other form of empowerment. So the world will start to move into balance and the uh, forces of nature will be protected um, from the harshness that a man has inflicted on it when we, we reach the, our full potential here. I think we can only hope that you're right and that, that we can reach our full potential because it's desperately needed, don't you think, sir? Yeah. I, I think um, we're, we're starting to uh, wake up uh, as a race. Right. Um, uh, but uh, it, it would be understandable if someone hearing this was concerned that this waking up process wasn't really happening fast enough. Yeah, true, true. And the church bells start ringing here. I don't know if you can hear them. <laughs> um, you have started your path at a very early stage because somehow I get the feeling, correct me if I'm wrong, that already when you started at a very young age in the martial arts, that was already a kind of a first step into into that whole development that brought you to Barden and then to the her hermetic tradition in general, etc. Um, not everybody might start that young. 
but some some young person or maybe not even so young person but some person who decided okay i feel attracted by that i want to give it a try you as a teacher how would you suggest to them or what would you what would you tell them to do where should they start where should they look for a beginning of their path first and foremost life is the path so we come up with different names for it don't we uh, we have traditions and schools and things but really the the path is life and uh, it starts the moment you're you're born now i happen to believe like the optimistic hermeticists that the growing of awareness and of ability that starts when we're, we're first born shouldn't stop it should just carry on and that our hermetic training allows us to continue to to blossom at every single age and to, to keep moving the first bit of advice i'd give anyone is to to use everything that is around you and then happens in life to your advantage so if you are a young person that's wonderful you can you can start early and, and get going now if you're older or even coming to the end of your life use that position to your advantage value the moment to a higher degree using uh, your age as a reminder of that practice the things that you find hardest i've come to believe that our greatest abilities are hidden in our worst faults and I, it's, it's as if when we've got a great strength they can get corrupted and go into a strange direction and that's why it becomes a fault so find out what you're really wanting to do with those faults and you can turn them around you can take them to what they should be doing and this is a great empowerment if the person listening um you were talking about who's just wanting to start out is inspired by the things that i'm saying or interested more do have a look at my youtube channel uh, do have a look at uh, my book the emerald tablet which is really the whole hermetic path described in modern language but more than any of this uh, by the books written by franz baden you could study thousands of books you could memorize cabalistic correspondences and learn historical things and you could join exciting orders and have wonderful titles and very colorful and beautiful regalia and there would be benefits to these but not one of these activities would give you such a clear vision as initiation into hermetics as uh, which was written by franz baden indeed i believe there is no living teacher that could aid you as much as 
the possession of and the diligent study of this text. Right. Well, thank you so much, Martin. This was a most inspiring talk. Uh, it was really very, very interesting. And um, I am sure that our listeners, they feel the same because it's not only what you say, but also how you say it. It's very clear. And um, I'm I was very happy that we finally managed to do that interview, which we have been aiming for quite some time. Um, and once again, I'm happy to have you back rather soon for this discussion about the memory tradition, as we as we said. And also, I will, of course, make sure that all the books and the things that you mentioned, uh, your YouTube channel, your books, etc., but also the books by Franz Barton, there will be links to find them more easily for our uh, audience here on the website of Thoth Hermes. Thank you for being with us this afternoon and taking the time. Um, and once again, hope to see you soon again here. Thank you very much, Rudolf. I look forward to returning in the near future. Thank you.
Hathor, the ancient Egyptian goddess set into music by Derek and Brandon Fichter. I hope you enjoyed it. And I certainly hope you enjoyed my talk with Martin Fox. As I said towards the end of that talk, I'm planning to start from time to time doing roundtable discussions on a certain subject on the Thoth Hermit podcast. So again, something new coming up here. On those roundtables, I will have three or four guests discussing a subject with me. Martin will, together with others, be back for one of those first roundtables, and there we will speak about the Memory Palace, a Masonic memory technique, and why suddenly it seems to return to the surface lately. For today, this is the end of our show, and as always, it was a great pleasure for me to do this interview, to produce the episode for you, and especially to have you with me as my listeners. In two weeks, our next regular episode is going to be released, and my guest on that episode 10 will be Nick Farrell, another great figure of the contemporary hermitism, golden dawn, and Western tradition in general scene. I'm sure this is going to be fascinating again. Before that next episode, in a week, you will be able to listen to another special release, a presentation of the upcoming O-Culture Berlin conference. I'm going to speak to a number of those who are going to be speakers or presenters in this very important event, which is going to take place from October 31st to November 3rd this year in the German capital Berlin. Don't miss on it. If you have not been able to listen to one of our previous shows, or if you're new to this podcast and want to explore more, all shows are at all time available on our website, but also on YouTube or on all the podcast providers where you can find the Thoth Hermes podcast. For now, it is time to say goodbye to you. It has been a pleasure, as always, to have you here. Look after yourself until next time. Do good magic and be good to the world. Take care. Stay tuned. Hear you soon.